Hey everyone, I'm Josh Loftus, and this is the Everyday a Monday podcast. The podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or that random person that still unironically enjoys listening to Nickelback, this podcast is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome to the Everyday a Monday podcast. And with me in the podcast studio today, I have a very special guest. He's a writer, as a podcaster himself, a songwriter. He manages the Blazing Center blog at theblazingcenter.com. He's a husband, a father. I'm talking about the Honorable Stephen Altrogi. Stephen, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, honorable is probably too generous. <laughs> I prefer words like mediocre. Uh Semi-honorable, maybe, but honorable, I think, is stretching it too far. Okay. Well, that's something that, that you can grow into. How about that? You can, uh, yeah, that's you true. Can, you can order a plaque and like put that. You know how like football players, when they go out, they like slap the sign or whatever it is, says success or win? That's true, yeah. You, you can order that and like slap it every day, right? And, and one, of the, one of these days, it'll you just, can call me and say, like, honor, I made it'll it. It'll say honorable. It'll say honorable yeah. honor, and I'll slap <laughs> it every time. In quotes. It'll be honorable in quotes. And then you can call me and be like, Josh, I made it. I'm I honorable. I'm I did on, it. I'm now honorable. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for being on, man. I really appreciate it. So um, over the past few years, I've been in, obviously uh, hugely encouraged by your blog, especially blogs uh, talking about the church, um, you know, recovering from abuse in the church or how to navigate hard times that happen in the church. I've been encouraged by your podcast. Um, if you would give me just kind of a short bio of who you are. What you do, if someone was to ask, Stephen, what do you do for a living? What do you, what do you normally say? Sure. Uh, well, I am married to Jen. I have three kids, three daughters, ages 11, 8, and 6. Um, for my job, most people don't know this. I'm actually a full-time freelance writer. I work with businesses mainly, um, helping them do a lot of marketing stuff. So I, even though that's pro- really not my passion i would say my passion is from things more church related but right now that's just what god has me doing so i spend most of my time uh writing things that i'm not super interested in but pay the bills and i spend the remaining time writing things that i do care about that pay very little and uh, what you'll find (laughs) in the christian world is writing pays very little yeah yeah no exactly yeah yeah i don't (laughs) unless you're going to be the the christian uh uh, Stephen King, which I'm not seeing many people wanting to do that. Yeah, you're probably not going to be paying a whole lot of bills with the Christian writing industry. Yeah, unfortunately, the uh, the the Christian writing world is you either have to be like a megachurch pastor uh, or willing to write like women's Amish Christian fiction or something <laughs> like that. That's right. Yeah, or at least be willing to be the guy that poses for those covers. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's not me. <laughs> that guy, that guy, dude, that guy, whoever that guy is, because you know it's like one of three guys. Uh they've they've got it made, man. Yeah. yeah that's I don't, that, I don't have the physique to be on a book cover. No, 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 no. I don't have anything that could be on a book cover. Hands, feet, doesn't matter. I, I yeah, don't me, care. It's it's neither. not happening. Um, let's see. So give us a little known fun fact about yourself, Steven. Something that uh that 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 usually doesn't come up in the in the public in the public sphere. Yeah, I this is the one I trot out only on r- rare occasions, and that is that for an entire month at one point I tried to go vegan with my diet because I wanted to oh. be a lot healthier. 
Okay. It was the worst. It was the worst month of my life. I'll never do it again. <laughs> it was the worst tasting month of my life. Well, well, see, in my experience, I've never gone vegan. I've had friends that have gone vegan, and it usually is for that about month. It's terrible. Month long time because that's as long as they can last, right? And yeah, they, it's really they, terrible. Uh, well, and everybody starts so excited is the thing. It's like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to make food taste good. And they do that for about a week. And then it seems like after a week, the the reality of the defeat that is coming just kind of sets in. And they just they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to I'm just going to eat carrots. Have to work so hard to get food <laughs> like I'm all for vegetables in moderation, man. But man, you got to work so hard to make vegetables exclusively vegetables taste good all the time. And I'm. I, I'm not a cook. Like, I don't, you know, to quote Marie Kondo, uh, cooking does not spark joy. <laughs> it doesn't a whole spark lot of joy. joy in me. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of like. <laughs> I, well, and they always put was, the produce section like all the way in the back of the grocery store. I mean, who honestly wants to walk that far, right? Yeah. Just give me, I'll take the hot pockets in the first aisle of the frozen foods and I'm out of there. Dude, in and out five minutes. That, that's mm-hmm. right. Um, you're a freelance writer. What's what's the best part of that job, man? And then on the flip side, what's what's the hardest thing? Sure. Uh, best part, I would say, is I'm my own boss, and so I really I I have an entrepreneurial bent to begin with, and so getting to basically do everything. Um, and, you know, I get paid for the work I do. I don't get paid based on, like, whether I show up from 8 to 5 and, you know, I'm at the office 8 to 5 and I get a set amount regardless of how much work I do. Um, I like the entrepreneurial side of things where I'm getting paid for the business I generate. On the flip side, that's also the most stressful part is that I have to generate the business myself. Mm. Uh, I'm constantly in the sort of the hustle mode where I'm, you know, talking to business owners and so it's in, it's one of those things where I love the flexibility of it. I mean, I, I have, you know, I'm going to take my family on vacation later in March. And, we you know, normally I would have to get, you know, permission to take vacation days. But this is all, it, it's my business and I can do it. So I love that part of it. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, tell us, tell us just kind of about uh, how, how you came to Christ or, if, you know, if that was a gradual process, if there was a, a singular moment, kind of just lead us through that a little bit. Yeah, there was, I, I like you, I grew up in the church. Uh, my dad was a pastor. Uh, actually, well, he's still an elder. He just recently retired after 30 plus years in ministry as, as a pastor, but he's still uh, still an elder. So grew up in the church, pastor's kid my whole life. Um, there was a moment when I was six years old where I, you know, had the quote unquote profession of faith and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I really do believe I believe God honors the sincere prayers of six-year-old kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, to me, that's where I point to the moment that I became a Christian. But really, I mean, my faith mature, my faith matured. And uh, I I wouldn't say that I was truly, uh, I don't know how to put it. My theological brain is starting to dissect what I'm saying. (laughs) I know it it goes real, real fast. I guess I would just say that I wasn't. I wasn't in a place where I, I was truly uh, maybe pursuing the Lord uh, with my whole heart until I was probably in my teens. Um, okay. And w- whatever you want to call that, whether you call that me not being saved until I was in my teens or I just didn't get, understand it, I don't really bother 
trying to dissect it. I just know that I first believed when I was six, and then when I was like 14, 15 was when I started really understanding what it meant to be a Christian. Okay. Yeah, right. So in your blog a lot, and I, and I talked about this earlier, I really, some of the some of the blogs that I appreciate the most are the ones where you're talking about how to navigate hurtful times or hurtful things that happen in the local church, because it's a broken world, even in the church. Uh, we all struggle, we all fail, and we all are dealing with sinners 24-7. And sometimes that can bring up some hard situations and hard occasions in our lives. I know I've gone through, and I think we've talked off the air uh, uh, over email a little bit about it, just some some hard church experiences. Uh, I know from reading your blog, you've gone through some as well. And uh, obviously, without getting into too much graphic detail, share as much as you want. Tell us as much as you can about that situation and how you navigated through that and what the Lord used to to help you through that situation. Because there's a lot of people that are in the same boat and perhaps feeling alone, feeling like they don't have the ability or have the resources to get through that. They're feeling hurt, rejected. Yeah, well, um, it was probably, let me think. I was a pastor for, I was a pastor in the church I grew up in for seven years. And in year, it was probably about year six, started having just some real, uh, there was just some pretty strong interpersonal challenges with the other members of the pastoral team where we were just on different pages regarding a lot of issues. Um, and eventually it got to the point where I felt like I couldn't continue on as a pastor. Um, and so I ended up resigning from that position and the, the months following that were some of the hardest I've ever gone through. It was an incredibly difficult, lonely, uh, sad situation. I didn't really have anyone to help me walk through it. Um, mm. even, you know, just because of the nature of the situation, I, I kind of ended up getting cut off from the people that, that I cared about most and who would normally would help me walk through a difficult situation. So really my wife and I felt kind of like we were navigating blind through it. Um, and so honestly, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that I still value the local church and I'm still a believer and still a Christian, I attribute that hundred percent to the Lord and that mm. he preserved me and kept me. And I mean, because it really was a situation, it was grieving. Like we were grieving what we lost. We, I still grieve what I lost. Um, because it was, it was the church I grew up in. It was very valuable and precious to me. And, and kind of in a moment, it was just all gone. And so I really just, uh, I can't say there was any one particular thing that helped me make it through it other than trying to stay close to the Lord. And I really feel like it was the Lord who preserved me because I've seen a lot of my friends uh, get burned by the church and either abandon the idea of church or abandon Christianity altogether. And so the fact that I haven't done that, I just, I say, I attribute that a hundred percent to Jesus and him keeping me and preserving me. So if you're going through a situation like that, my primary encouragement to you would be number one, stay, stay close to the Lord. Tell him your grief, tell him your sorrow, tell him how broken everything feels to you. Cause really it, it I mean, you're right. Church can be really broken and really messed yeah. up and really screwed up and, that was a, a reality 
that I had never experienced before. And when I, I was very naive about it. I was very naive Mm -hmm. about how broken church can be. And so I guess I would, you know, I would just say to anyone going through that, tell the Lord, don't, don't, he knows what you're struggling with. So tell him what you're struggling with. Tell him how broken and hurt you feel. And I would just say, don't give up on those things that you know are true. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on Jesus. Um, Don't let the actions of other people and don't let your pain shape the way you see God and shape, shape the way you see the church. So uh, that's a bit of a rambling answer, but I, I hope that sort of addresses what you're saying. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I think, you know, one of the things that surprised me the most uh, kind of in the aftermath was how long it took me to have the desire again to go to church. I had kind of two things going on in my head. I had, like you said earlier, kind of the th- the theological part of my head saying, you have to go to church. That's important. Don't stop going to church. And then I had the other half the entire time I was there. Like, I don't want to be here. Everyone here is fake. Everyone here is out to get me. Nothing here is going to go right, right? I'm just waiting for it to implode again. Um, and I think that's what shocked me the most and probably took the longest. And I don't know if it was the same for you is, is – getting through that process of trusting again, but then having actually a desire and a joy to gather with God's people again. Yeah. There was the theological side where I knew I needed to be part of a church, but my wife and I, we, we tried a couple different churches in the early stages and it was just like, it was too painful for us in the beginning. I mean, there's still, I still struggle at times, even in my own head with, I don't want to say the baggage of what happened, but it just, you know, a traumatic situation, it shapes the way you see everything. And I'm still learning to, I'm still learning to deal with it. Yeah. 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 No, I hear you. I hear you. It's definitely a process, Um, but it's encouraging to know that there are other people out there that have gone through the same thing. You're not alone. You're not isolated on an Island. Right. Right. Um, So kind of, that's a good segue into hopefully a little bit more of a joyous topic is where, where do you go to church now? What's something about your church that you really appreciate that you really value and how are you serving? Sure. I go to Four Oaks Church, which is part of, uh, if you've heard of the Sojourn Network, it's part of the Sojourn Network, and um, I serve in a number of different ways. I help lead some Bible studies, I play on the worship team, Um, on rare occasions I'll I'll get to preach if they need somebody, just since I have some experience in it, but um, one thing I really appreciate I think the church has a really healthy leadership structure that when when you look at a lot of the churches that have imploded over the last number of years, and I'm thinking even of like high profile cases like Marcel yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing, right. there was just a really toxic leadership structure. And one of the things I really appreciate about our church is it's not like a one guy show. Um, you know, there is a lead pastor, but I I've seen him many times like, intentionally give give the the spotlight to someone else give the stage to someone else give authority and something to someone else and i think that's super healthy i think that you know anytime power gets concentrated in a single person or it's like a force of personality kind of leadership it's just a really dangerous recipe so that's just one of a number of things i appreciate i mean the people are great I think probably that's what would cause someone to stick around as the people are great. Um, but I guess I'm, I tend to, to think of things behind the scenes that I've seen as a pastor and that 
that stick out to me. So that's just one of the, the many things that sticks out to me. When you think about service in the local church, um, how does Christianity and what you know about God, how does that filter in and through just everyday work for you? Well, when I, when I think about it in the church, it's interesting. In, I was just in a Bible study yesterday, and we were talking about the profound passage in Philippians where it talks about Jesus didn't count equality with God to be something to be grasped, and it made himself nothing. Um, right. And then the, the statement that just kind of jumped out at me was that he took the form of a servant. And mm-hmm. it just it's such a profound thing to think about Jesus, the Son of God, all the flashy, powerful things he could have taken. He chose the lowest. He chose to be a servant. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about it in the church, man, I think the people who are so valuable to the church are the ones who just are serving and aren't being seen. And I think any pastor who's honest will tell you that church cannot function without those humble servants who are willing to be behind the scenes Um you know, whether it's like the guy doing sound or whether it's the person setting up chairs or whether it's, you know, whatever the people, I honestly think the people who should get the biggest award in church are the people serving in children's ministry. Cause man, that's a hard, that's a hard, <laughs> Amen to that. yeah. that's a hard, thankless job. It really is. And so I, I just, I feel pr- really strongly about, you know, against that celebrity culture. I really don't like that celebrity pastor culture. I think it's a toxic culture. I think it undervalues the people in the church who are just serving their butts off week after week. Um, and that's the people God values. You know, God values those who are the least. Um, when you think about the modern day Christian culture's attitude or view of serving in the local church, and this might be different kind of depending on where you are in the States, possibly, but uh, do you think it's something that the church as a whole is really putting value in and really pushing, uh, you know, you know, to 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 get your hands dirty in the trenches of church and and serve. Or do you think it's something that's lacking and needs and needs kind of restructuring and rebuilding up? When I think about the church as a whole, I think we tend to think about ser- being a servant only in terms of meeting the needs of the church rather than the theological profoundness behind it. And so, mm-hmm. like. There's always, you know, we need more people to help do this. And it's usually framed only in terms of just we need more people as opposed to, you know, let me give you this opportunity to do something that's incredibly valuable to God. And yes, it is service. Yes, it's hard. That's not to minimize that it's hard. But I think we could do a better job of of emphasizing. I mean, Jesus talked a whole lot about being a servant. And it just seems like we could do a better job of emphasizing the theology of serving in the church. I think just contextualizing serving in the bigger picture of like, okay, yes, you're, you are helping out on a Sunday and we need that. But let's also talk about the fact that, Je- let's talk about what Jesus said about what you're doing. So yeah, I guess I would say it that way. So when you think about, you know, say someone comes to you and says, Stephen, I'm I'm in this church, perhaps it's a larger church, perhaps it's a smaller church, and I'm serving, you know, in this, 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 and I just don't feel as if that I am being valued or the work that I'm doing is even important. Maybe they are serving in children's ministry. Maybe they're the janitor cleaning the bathrooms. Maybe they're printing the church bulletins in the morning. Uh, And that's something that they faithfully do every Sunday. 
but they don't see value in it. They don't have people that are putting value in that. How would you encourage that person? If, if they can, I mean, obviously this is going to depend on the church, but if they're able to talk to their pastor about it, I think that would be really valuable because I think the pastor, um, if he's a good pastor would want to encourage that person and, and encourage them that yes, their service is really valuable. I think a lot of times pastors don't even think about that. They don't mm-hmm. think about um, the need to encourage their people about the value of what they're doing. Um, and so I think it would be a good thing just to get on the pastor's radar for starters, like, Hey, there could be people in a, in this church that are super valuable servants, but they don't even know how much we value them. On a deeper level, I would want to say, I think, again, it goes back to even if you don't feel that it's valuable, um, Scripture would say your service, that God values your service. I mean, it's funny, we don't talk that often. It's almost like we're afraid to talk about the rewards God promises to those who serve. Sure. Because it's almost like we're afraid we're going to make it into some sort of like mercenary activity, like as if somehow like... <laughs> Triple like, kill. I served three ways this Sunday. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like... But here's the thing. In the Bible, Jesus explicitly connects serving and rewards. And so I would want to say to somebody who's struggling, like, look, you're going to be rewarded for this. God is pleased with your service. Not only are you pleasing to him, but he's going to reward you specifically for this service. So I don't know. I think that could be a really meaningful way to encourage people would be to just point them back to the Bible. Look at all that Jesus said about service and look at the rewards he promises. So I don't know. That's probably where I would go with it. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah. When you, when you think about Christians in your life that have inspired you, whether you know them personally or Christians that you have read or studied, you know, what are some of the traits in those Christians that that do that for you? It's interesting. I think my experience with church, with with experiencing hurt in the church has changed the way I perceive Christians. And so the things I used to value, I don't value like I did anymore. Like I don't value mm-hmm. the same. I think I used to value gifting a lot. Like I really I would, you know, I, I love the the guys who could preach really well or the super solid, you know, uh, guy who had the platform, that kind of thing. I just don't care about that anymore. Um, I love, I love seeing faithful small town people doing faithful small town things. Um, and small town, obviously I'm, that doesn't have to be literally a small town. I just mean like you don't have a platform. You don't have Mm. 25,000 people following you on social media. You're serving faithfully. Um, you know, you're, I love seeing pastors who are just faithfully preaching to smaller congregations. I love seeing people who are just faithfully pursuing the Lord. That's what really inspires me and motivates me now. It's not the big platform. It's not even the books that are written. It's just when I see people faithfully serving in small ways, faithfully pursuing God. I have this one friend who's a pastor. And he just, he prays like Noah. He's not a, nobody's ever heard of him except his, you know, his own immediate circle. But he prays like nobody I've ever heard. And that to me is life transforming to just to have, to know that he's praying for me and to get to pray with him occasionally. Um, that's the kind of thing that motivates me now and inspires me now is, is those kinds of things. If you could go back to 
a past self of yours, and this is just kind of the <laughs> quintessential question here, but perhaps perhaps even in the midst of the hard times that you are going through in church, um, with what you know now and what you value now, what what would you tell yourself back then? Don't be such an idiot. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I think I would say, I think... Get off the couch and get a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think what I would say is when you are impressed by like very public giftings what can happen is what what initially happened to me is i just kind of became disillusioned with everything uh because i just everything felt fake to me like there must everybody's just nobody is what they seem nobody's a christian like they seem everything seems fake even the big name pastors who i've seen surely all that's fake and i think what i would say to myself is no you know what there are a lot of you've been hurt yes you've been hurt let's acknowledge it let's talk about it let's work through it grieve through it don't pretend it didn't happen but i'd also want to say don't become disillusioned with things because there are many faithful churches there are many faithful people following jesus um, and god's going to be faithful to connect me to those people again and God's going to be faithful to bring me into that kind of situation again. And just because something went bad, it doesn't mean everything is bad. And I think that's the big right. temptation that is when, when, when something goes bad in your life, like a, a situation goes really sour, then you're tempted to view everything through that lens. And you think everything is just bad and sour. And so I would just say, no, don't, don't get disillusions. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, super encouraging, man. So... What is one of the funniest or perhaps most unforgettable church experiences you've ever had? Okay, so one is, I think I was around like somewhere between six and eight. So I was like a rambunctious little boy, you know, lots of energy. And I remember climbing, like sort of hanging and climbing up on the pulpit that my dad preached from, except I didn't realize it was a portable pulpit. And so I basically just pulled, <laughs> I pulled the whole thing down on top of myself. <laughs> you pulled the glory down. All I, pulled over. <laughs> the, I pulled the pulpit. I little, literally ripped the pulpit down, um, pulled it wow. straight down on top of myself. It's kind of amazing that I wasn't hurt now that I think about it. Well, and the next Sunday it was all like lag bolted yeah, to the stage, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's one random funny memory that I have. And then another one was, and I kind of can't believe we did this. So I was, for youth group, we did, um, I don't know if you ever did the 30-hour famine where it's basically like you're supposed to not eat for 30 hours and it helps you, supposedly helps you like know what it's like to live in a foreign country where you have no food and you raise money for for it's. The whole idea is a little bit suspect to begin with. Anyway, so we were doing this 30-hour famine, and as part of it, we were doing a lock-in at the church, which is another terrible idea. But oh, anyway. nice. Wait, so we, hold on. You you combined the the fasting with a lock-in? Yeah, for the youth oh, group, yes. Whose was, idea was, was this? This sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so and then, and then what we ended up doing is we were playing – we were playing night tag with all the lights off in the church, like just running around full, like we're running full speed with zero lights on in the pitch black. And oh, yeah. what I ended up doing was I was upstairs and I ended up starting to sprint down a set of stairs in the pitch black, lost my balance, fell down the stairs, sprained both of my ankles um, at the same time. 
And this was the night before. The next day, we were having a concert at our church. A ska. You remember ska? The music. Oh ska, yeah, yeah, man. That yeah, brief Five Iron Frenzy year, and all them. Yeah, yeah. There was like a brief three three year period where ska was awesome. So there was a ska band <laughs> in our in our church. Right. Wait. Oh, you had a ska band in your church? Yeah. All the members. They were actually really talented. There was a bunch of music majors, so they were all like super talented musicians. So they were in our church and they were doing a concert. And so there's a there's a dance, the dance associated with ska music, which also sounds vaguely obscene now that I think about it. It's called skanking. And so. The whole point of this Skank. story, yeah, doesn't that sound like some sort of like sort of obscene word? Like yeah, well, yeah no, it, it sounds like something. It sounds like something we we're not allowed to say on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. But say yeah. It anyway, so yeah, you might need to beat this out. So anyway, <laughs> the whole reason I'm talking about skanking is because I couldn't do it because I had two sprained ankles. Okay. All right. All so right. those well, are my two random, totally random church memories. I mean, I have. A, a lot of funny good memories but those are two totally random sort of strange memories i have from growing up in church all right so hey steven we are coming to the end of our time man and it is time for some monday hot takes this is when i ask you a random question and you give me the first thing that pops into your head you ready for these uh yes yeah <laughs> i'm never i'm never confident with the first thing that pops into my head but i'll do my best well how about this how about how about i can i can edit the okay. dead space in between so it sounds like you're just you're just knocking right. them off right right or if, just like say, that, right or if i say something like obscene or heretical you can edit that out that's too. right that's right we'll we'll just put a beep in there yeah. and just leave it up to everyone's imagination because okay. that's yeah that's, that's good, good for ratings right? yeah that's a good idea <laughs> that's right all right uh let's see favorite movie a couple of my, I mean, one of my favorite movies, just because it's from my, I saw it when I was younger, uh, is Dr- the original Jurassic Park. Okay, uh, just yeah, yeah. Such a classic movie. The original Jaws was a, is a favorite movie of mine. Um, the original Star Wars trilogy. You don't want to get me started talking about what I think about movies because I can go in long, unrelated tangents on movies. Well, we'll have to do another podcast, uh, maybe together in the future, talking about movies and I'm a huge film guy. We'll have to do another one. That'll be okay. That'll, Sounds good. That'll be good. Um, let's see. Favorite band. Well, see, I have okay. I have a playlist of like 25, no, like 30 different songs that are like my favorite songs. So it's not so much I have favorite bands, but I have favorite songs, and a lot of them are like old. Like okay, so I have a song on my playlist by Peter Gabriel. I don't really like Peter Gabriel that much. Oh wow. Okay. But I really like this one song that he wrote. Uh, I have a song. There's, I have a song by like Kansas, the seventies rock band. Oh yeah, I don't I love, love Kansas, a lot. Man. I don't love all that Kansas did, but man, I love a couple of their songs. So sure. I'm more like a favorite song guy than a favorite kind of band all guy. Right. Although, like, I do enjoy listening to what I actually listen to a lot is like since I do a lot of writing, I'll listen to like ambient sort of. Like, I don't know if you ever listen like, to, like, Explosions in the soundtrack Sky. Soundtrack. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Soundtrack stuff or ambient yeah. rock stuff. Or there's a guy named, uh, I think his name is Tycho, who does, like, sort of a, like, lo-fi electronic beats. I actually, I listen to a surprising amount of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I listen to a lot of orchestral, a lot of soundtracks when I'm writing. Hans Zimmer, man. I love Hans Zimmer. Oh, yeah. Hans Zimmer's awesome, man. Danny Elfman, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. uh yeah, fantastic, fantastic! The Interstellar stuff. soundtrack, the opening to the Interstellar soundtrack, 
Such a good yes. opening. Oh man, and, I've got that on any play every playlist. And the opening to the the Dark Knight soundtrack. Yep, that one's awesome too. Oh man, yeah. If I'm really wanting to get like, you know, if I want an emotional punch in my writing, I'll listen to the Braveheart soundtrack because the, okay, the, yeah. the bagpipes just come in and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I don't think it translates too well into my writing, but I think it. I think it's great, right? right. <laughs> and that's all that matters. All right. Uh, let's see, coffee or tea? Coffee. No, coffee. No, all right. no question. I mean, I don't no. mind tea, but coffee, no question. Yeah. Uh, let's see, nuts in cookies? Yes or no? Oh, what a disaster. No. Uh, thank you. I agree. I had I had somebody on uh, uh, a couple of days ago and he was like, oh, yeah. And then raisins, raisins and cookies are the best. I'm like, no, 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 no. Get out of here with that. Raisins are why I have trust issues, man. They look like yeah, chocolate raisins, chips. Raisins are a lie. They look they are just raisins like. are a lie. It's like they're not grapes. They're not. what. Like, what are they? They're, it's literally they're... grapes that have been left to die. They're fake chocolate chips. They're designed to look like chocolate chips only to deceive you when you bite into them. You know what they are? They're vegan chocolate chips. Exactly. They're vegan chocolate chips, which is why I can't be a vegan. That's exactly it. Uh, Mac or Windows? Mac. Mac, Just just because I was a Windows guy for a long time, and then I realized my computer didn't work a lot of the time. So... (laughs) Now that I have a Mac, it just works. <laughs> yeah, I was a Windows guy until I, and then I realized that hey, I'm buying a computer every year. Exactly. This, th- this doesn't make sense, right? Uh, let's see, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah, I just yep. have always. I mean, I was the I was the nerd in junior high who read the books. Oh wow! Like, okay, all right. So I know more. I have a unhealthy amount of knowledge about star wars well we'll save all that knowledge for next time all right <laughs> gotcha uh, um uh let's see so last question what's the best advice you've ever been given it was actually my dad um his brother took his own life and so the advice oh, no. this gets this gets heavy well it was, yeah it was when he was young um but the advice someone gave him was stay close to jesus and mm. that's the best advice i think i've ever heard is in any situation, stay close to Jesus. Like yeah. that's what got me through the really hard situation that I went through. And so I would just say, whatever situation, stay close to Jesus. Yeah. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this podcast, man. That's great. Hey, before we uh, before we get going, uh, roll out the red carpet for you. Tell people where they can find you. Blogs, social media. I blog at theblazingcenter.com. And all my social media profiles are just Stephen Altrogi. I should probably spell my last name because nobody ever knows how to spell it. Uh, so it's Stephen with a P-H, like Stephen Curry, and then Altrogi, <laughs> A-L-T-R-O-G-G-E. And yes, Stephen Curry has ruined uh, the name Stephen because now everybody tries to pronounce my name. They're like, Stephen? I'm like, no, Stephen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, hey. That's okay. Old school guys like me have never heard of the name Stefan because I don't like basketball. So that's all right. I still call you Stephen. Thank you. Well, hey, Stephen, I appreciate you being on the podcast with me, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. You can head on over to iTunes and leave a raving five star review if you guys would like. Uh, You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Music. YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, kind of wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. Uh, you can head over to uh, joshloftus.com for podcast info as well. And uh, facebook.com slash Monday. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for joining us in the trenches today. And we'll catch you next time on the next step of Every Day a Monday. <laughs>